A very good evening to you all, and uh, especially if you're watching online, a welcome, warm welcome to you too, as we uh, meet together for worship this Sunday evening. And before we start, should we commit our time to God in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship in peace this evening. Lord, a great blessing. And uh, as, as we come, we pray for prepared hearts to receive your word. And we pray, Lord, that it would do us good, that it will feed us and set us up well for the week. <coughs> Lord, in every aspect of our worship, give us a, 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 a full heart to give you the worship that you deserve. Lord, we praise you for who you are, for what you've done, and the way that you show love to sinners like us. We thank you for the gospel and what a great privilege it is to hear it preached week to week. Lord, use it for the changing of our lives and for making us more in your image. So we commit this time of worship to you now. We pray for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with uh, our first song, which is Jesus is Lord, the cry that echoes through creation, resplendent power, eternal word, our rock. Let's stand to sing.
Our Bible reading this evening is from the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 63, and we're starting at verse 15, and that will be on page 623 if you're using a church Bible. And as we read through, um, try and pick out the, the, the key themes, the key points that Isaiah is making in his prayer. Um, so after the, uh, the, the next hymn, we're going to, uh, Mark will deliver the message, and after that we'll have a time of open prayer. So hopefully that will prompt us and help us to guide us in our prayers, and, and, and we can pray along the same lines as Isaiah was praying. So we're starting at Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 15. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribe of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire and all our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? Well, Mark will be preaching on that uh, prayer of Isaiah's uh, after our next hymn, but before we do that, let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you this evening, I pray, Lord, that we'll be able to come humbly knowing to whom we are coming. 
Lord, it's a real privilege to come to the creator of the world, indeed our own creator. And Lord, we, we marvel, especially at this time of year, if we start seeing signs of new life, at your constant faith, faithfulness to us. Lord, we seem to let you down daily, but as, as the Bible reads, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you so much for the way that you uh, renew blessings day after day. And Lord, never dependent on us or the way that we feel or the way we have behaved. Lord, truly you are, you are deserving of all the praise we could ever give and all the praise we will give when we are in eternity with you. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you show, the way that you, the way that you lead us and draw us close to you. We thank you, Lord, that we are your desire. And despite our sin, Lord, you love us and we are ready to forgive. We thank you for the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world to be the ultimate and perfect sacrifice on our behalf, to pay a price that we could never pay. Lord, what a joy and a privilege it is to know you, to have your word uh, written in our language, open for us to read. Lord, we confess that we do neglect it sometimes and uh, we don't live the life that you want us to lead. But Lord, you understand our weaknesses uh, and we pray, Lord, that day to day you will help us to grow more and more in your image. And Lord, we thank you for for a Sunday. We thank you for a week, for weekends, Lord, in your wisdom, how you've given us time to recuperate from busy weeks. Lord, you know what we need so much better than we do, and we praise you for it. Lord, we can't even ask for the right things that we need, and we are so thankful to call you our Father. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we have to refresh ourselves after a busy week and to spend time with friends and loved ones. And most of all, Lord, to come to your house and to hear the word preached so faithfully. Help us to respond to that, Lord, and not take this for granted. I pray, Lord, that we will have a, a tender conscience and an honest heart before you. Help us, Lord, to repent of, of our sin and to know that you are ready to forgive. And Lord, we want to, we want to be able to give our lives as an offering to you. Help us, Lord, in our walk day to day to behave as we should, Lord, to walk by your word and your laws. Lord, you know we fall far short, but we thank you that Jesus makes up the difference, that Jesus is there reconciling us to you. And Lord, in this uh, sad time that we're living in globally, we pray, Lord, that we might see um, your powerful hands intervening. Lord, you know the the invasion going on in the Ukraine and, and the sadness and the turmoil that that's bringing to so many millions of people, the worry that it's causing globally and all the impact that it's having, Lord, on many other people in many other ways. But Lord, you are over all of this and you are not, uh, you are not too weak to, to intervene. But Lord, we don't really know what, what to ask right other than that you will have your way. Um, but Lord, we pray that the, those that are trying to um, run for safety in fear of their lives might find somewhere that they can shelter and Lord in some in some way may call this about you bring Lord many people to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ through the things that are going on in this world at the moment and Lord we pray for those who are suffering um, maybe feeling uh, a lot, uh, bereaved at the moment or um, walking some uh, uh, walking through deep trials of 
illness or mental health or whatever it might be, Lord, you know. And for everyone here, Lord, we have our we have our burdens and trials and sometimes they feel too great to carry. But we thank you that we can bring it all to you. Lord, help us to find true comfort in that. It's very easy to say and it can roll off the tongue. But Lord, you are the God of the impossible. And uh, Lord, we commit all of our, our lives and our, our problems and, plan, and our plans to into your hands. And we pray, Lord, that you will be the support, the guide that we need. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, we pray for Mark as he opens it up to us. We pray for an understanding, Lord, and we pray that your spirit might come and apply the word to us. Help us to understand it and to know what you are saying to us through it. We pray, Lord, for a true spirit of prayer and the urgency that Isaiah had. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will spark us tonight. And, um, and as we pray together later on, I pray, Lord, that there we will have the real, a real desire for prayer. And uh, we might have the courage to speak out loud. So, Lord, hear us now, we pray. We commit everything into your hands. We ask for your blessing. We thank you for every, everything that you provide to us so freely, every single day. And, uh, Lord, we commit everything to you. We ask for your blessing now, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to continue now with a, another song. And I'm going to read the, the sixth verse, which is, Bring me back to follow you. Serve the way you want me to. Tell your praise eternally, Jesus, Lamb of Calvary. Let's stand to sing.
Well, if you could have uh, more of something in the UK, and it could be anything you wanted, what would you choose? Maybe it would be a full tank of petrol or diesel. would be quite nice, wouldn't it? And maybe just more money at the moment. Maybe it would be more peace with everything going on. You'd love to have peace. Maybe it'd be safety from violent crime. What Isaiah teaches us as he prays is that what we really need above everything else is God's presence. What we really need is for God's spirit to be poured out on us. On our nation, on our churches, and in our lives. That's what we need above all else. The world's most powerful army is ravaging a smaller nation. But I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about Babylon, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus. The Babylonian army, they ravaged Judah. Um, They trampled down the temple, it says. Uh, Judah was the home of God's people, uh, they, they make it, uh, it's described as a wilderness. It's desolate after they've been. And perhaps uh, perhaps the war in Ukraine has given us a bit of a sense of what a city might look like after an army has destroyed it. And what's amazing is that Isaiah gives us great detail about this, this situation. And he prays about it as if it's happening as he's praying about it. But he's, he's writing about it over a hundred years before it happens. God has given him a preview of what is going to happen. Isaiah knows what's going to happen. And so as we read it, Isaiah is praying into the future, as it were. So he's praying as if it's happening now, but it's about the future, if that makes any sense. And this prayer that we're looking at is a real prayer of passion. And I hope we feel something of that tonight as we look at it. It's not a hugely neatly ordered prayer. And you find that, don't you? Passionate prayer is often not particularly neatly ordered. There's a, a sort of a mixture of things, a different themes sort of interwoven. So we're not going to go through it in order. What we're going to do is we're going to sort of jump around in it a little bit. And, and I hope that as we do that, we'll get the real thrust of what Isaiah is praying for. Having said that, we are going to start at the beginning. How does he start his prayer? This is what he says in uh, 63 verse 15. Look down. Look down. Got two simple headings this evening. This is the first one. Look down from heaven and see. He's saying, God, please look down. Look and see what's happening. It's not that Isaiah thinks that God hasn't noticed Somehow God's been distracted. Isaiah's pleading with God, turn and and look, look down and act. This is what he says, verse 15. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. Isaiah's seen this future that God's people are being defeated. God's enemies are triumphing. Evil is reigning. God's house is now rubble. God's name is in the mud. And Isaiah is saying, 
Where are you, God? Don't you care? Where's your power? Where's your zeal? Look at everything that's going on. Why are you holding back your love and your compassion? Well, Isaiah knows the answer, actually, because he tells us a little bit later. He says, you've hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. That's powerful, isn't it? You've hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Isaiah knows that all this has happened, all this Babylonian ravaging has happened because God's people have uh, given up on God's good rule and they've rebelled. But Isaiah pleads with God to look, don't turn your face away, look. He says, for you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. Isaiah says, if Abraham saw us now, he wouldn't recognise us. He would look at the people of God and say, well, they don't look like the people of God to me. Where's the strong, vibrant people of God that I knew? But but Isaiah is saying, you know us, God. You are Father. You redeemed us in the days of old. Or what's he talking about then? You redeemed us in the days of old. He's thinking back to when God rescued them from Egypt. Remember that when Moses uh, leads them out of Egypt? In fact, actually, if, uh, if we'd have read a few verses earlier in verses 7 to 14, uh, some people actually consider that the start of the prayer. But if you look at that, Isaiah's pondering and he's reflecting back to the time of Egypt and, and being led out of Egypt. And, and we're going to be jumping back to that a little bit this evening. Because as he talks through what happens, it stirs him up. As he thinks about the past and what God has done in the past for his people, it stirs him up to pray. And he remembers that God's people were captives in an enemy country, another country. And why did God rescue them? Why did God bring them out of Egypt? This is why, because he said, surely they are my people. They are my children. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to rescue them because they are my people. They are my children. And God is a God of steadfast love. In fact, as Isaiah is trying to explain how much steadfast love, he almost sort of falls over himself trying to explain it. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord, the great goodness, abundance of his steadfast love. It's like he hasn't quite got the vocabulary, so he just keeps repeating these big words about God's steadfast love. And Isaiah sees the parallel here. He sees that God's people now, or at least in his um, prophecy, they are in a similar situation to the Israelites were back in Egypt. They've been taken captive in another country. They've become like the Israelites. And that's why he pleads with God and he says, you are our father. We are your children. Yes, yeah, we're a different generation to the Israelites, but we are still your children. You are still our father. Isaiah wants a repeat of the Exodus. He wants God's people to be freed once again, for God to rescue them once again. That's what he's looking for. And as Isaiah's praying this, he's feeling it more and more. You can sort of sense the burden growing. And at the start of chapter four, uh, 64, he cries this. And this really is such a, a key verse in this. 
Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's our second heading, really. Come down. Isaiah wants for more than God to just look and take notice. He wants God to come down. He wants God to tear the heavens open, as it were, and to descend to the earth. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. God's presence is a bit like when fire catches dry wood, you know, and it kind of crackles and snaps and makes that noise, and there's that power there. Or when uh, when water boils, I'm not recommending this, but you know, if you sort of take the lid off a kettle when it's boiling and it spits and it bubbles and it's pretty violent because there's energy there, there's power there. And so this is what it's like when the when the power of God is there, it changes things. God's power is enough not just to boil water or make a fire, but to shake mountains. And then if you look at 64 verse 3, Isaiah is thinking back to Sinai. And he's saying to God, please do that again. Come down, meet with us again so that your enemies might know that you are God, that they might tremble at your presence. Surprise us again at your power. Restore the glory of your name. This is what he's crying out for. Come down in power. This is the very heart, really, of Isaiah's prayer. God, come down in power. Tear the heavens open and give us your presence and put things right again. Come and reign as king. Deal with the wickedness and with the injustice. And just notice the O at the beginning. You would have noticed it as I said it. And the exclamation mark at the the end of verse 2. This is passionate, isn't it? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's a cry of passion and desperation. And is this what we want? Do we have that same passion for God's glory, for God's presence? Or are we so comfortable in life, so content with how things are that actually if things change it might be a bit inconvenient for us so maybe we'd rather things stayed as they were? Would we love God to tear open the heavens as it were and come down? Pour his spirit on us. In the Lord's Prayer we pray, don't we, your kingdom come. Do you pray that? Is that something you want? God, let your kingdom come on earth. In 64, verses 4 and 5, Isaiah remembers in prayer that from of old, God is the God who acts for those who wait for him and he willingly meets with those who joyfully live for God. But in the second half of verse 5, Isaiah turns the lens on the people of God. He says, Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? Now you don't really see it much in the English translation, it's just the way they've done it. But the start of uh, verse 4, 
And halfway through verse 5 is pretty much the same, the phrase there. And Isaiah is basically saying something along these lines. God, from way back in the olden days, you have been faithful and good. But from way back in the olden days, we have been unfaithful and we've sinned. From way back in the olden days, you've been faithful and good, but from way back in the olden days, we have sinned. That's essentially what Isaiah is saying here. In fact, back in 63 verse 19, another part of confession in the prayer, Isaiah says, we've become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. God's people have become so like the nations around them that it's as if God has never had anything to do with them at all. And I just wonder, if if you're a Christian here this evening, I know a good number are, if you're a Christian or online You've professed trusting Jesus. Could the same be, same be said of you? Could God maybe say to you, you've become just like the people around you who don't know me? That there's no difference at all between you and the people around you? Or does faith impact your life? Should they? We're to be in the world, but not of it. Too often we're indistinguishable from the people around us. We share the same lifestyle, we share the same jokes, we watch the same things, we listen to the same things, we prioritise the same sort of goals. Too often we're exactly the same as the, the people around us who don't know God. Christians should be distinctive. doesn't mean that there's everything's different, but we should have a distinctive life if we follow Jesus. When 64 verse 6, Isaiah carries on with this confession for all of God's people and he uses four similes, four similes that help us understand their complete failure and their helplessness before God. And and this uh, failure and this helplessness is exactly the same for us as we read it tonight. It's verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. That's the first simile. We've all become like one who is unclean. We're like spiritual lepers. Not fit to go into the presence of God. Second simile. And all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Or we might say filthy rags. You recognise that verse, I'm sure. Famous verse. Even our, our best deeds before God are not good enough. Not by a long way. Third simile. We all fade like a leaf. Our lives fade like a leaf. I was looking out at the window earlier and there's quite a few bare trees. And of course, why are they bare at the moment? Well, because the leaves have all fallen off from last year. They were on there for a bit, a few months, but they've gone. They're history. And our leaves are, uh, sorry, our lives are like that. And in the fourth simile, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. You've all seen a a plastic bag being blown about in the wind. And the thing you notice is that the bag has no control over where it goes. It is completely at the mercy of the wind. And it's a bit like that with iniquity. That iniquity has got hold of us and it carries us where it wants. And it takes us away from God. Well, 
where Isaiah has confessed his sin and his people's sin, and he turns from confession back to God again, the best place to go, and he says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. He comes back to this again, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. Again, famous verses, and we are the work of your hand. He's saying, you're our father, you're our maker. Shape us, change us, make us more like you. It says in verse 9, Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. But how can God do that? Isaiah has just said, remember not iniquity forever. How can God not remember iniquity? Well, I'll tell you how. And I found this quite exciting thinking through this. He can do it by answering Isaiah's prayer in 64 verse 1. Do you remember? Rend the heavens and come down. What I want you to do uh, is to look up on a, preferably a Bible, but if not, if you've got a phone or something else, uh, Mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. So, YPs as well. Have a look. Mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. This was the prayer in 64 verse 1, rend the heavens, tear the heavens and come down. What do you notice? Mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. Do you see it there? Jesus' baptism. And Jesus comes out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Here God answers Isaiah's prayer emphatically as the heavens are torn open and the spirit of God descends onto the son of God. And just as God sent the Holy Spirit to be with the people of Israel as they left Egypt. Do you remember that with the smoke and the fire? Just as God sent the Holy Spirit to Moses, now Jesus has come with the Holy Spirit to provide the greatest exodus. That the exodus that the original exodus was pointing to. Jesus is the one that leads his people not out of captivity from Egypt, not out of captivity from Babylon, but out of captivity from uh, the devil, from the, the evil one, from sin. He doesn't take us through the Red Sea, but he cleanses us with his crimson blood. And he leads us to the real promised land. Jesus leads us to the promised land that the promised land in the Bible was a picture of. The real one. And because he rescues us, and because he cleanses us, and because he restores us, what can then happen? Well, we can then receive the Holy Spirit. And what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us in Romans 8, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See that now we are in the same situation as Isaiah, that we can now plead, Father, we are your children Act for us because we are your children, you love us. And we can plead that God would do the same for others as he does for us. For your friends, for your children, for that shopkeeper lives just down the road. 
for that person that gets on the same bus as you every day. We can pray too, can't we, that they too will be transformed, that the Spirit of God will come down on them, that they'll be transformed from enemies into children of God. And for those of us who are Christians, we have the Spirit uh, as a guarantee in us. We're safe. It's good news. But our relationship can grow cold, can't it? You only have to look at the Israelites again and again and again to see it can grow cold. They can wander away. They're God's people, but their relationship with God is cold. We need to confess like Isaiah did. We need to pray that we too will be revived. God's people will be revived as well as other people coming to know God, that we too will be revived, that it will deal with our lethargy and our apathy. It will stoke a fire in us that just can't be tamed, that will fill the presence of God with us that is like a fire on dry bush and wood. And that we'll feel his presence like a boiling cauldron of water. We need to pray for more of God. We need to pray for more of God to come down, to revive us, to revive this nation, to revive the church. We need to pray that God would pour his spirit down on us like he has in the past. And I just want to finish with this. And in a moment, uh, as Luke said, we're going to have a time of open prayer. But I want to finish with this. The prayer starts with Isaiah, if you can remember back this far. The prayer starts with Isaiah asking God, why are you restraining yourself? Why are you holding back your zeal and your compassion? And he finishes the prayer asking this. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you restrain yourself? Isaiah's real thrust of what he's praying here is that God would not restrain himself, that he would not hide his face but that he would tear the heavens open and that he would come down to earth, that he would look down and that he would come down unrestrained and that he would reign for his own honour and glory. So let's pray the same. Let's pray tonight that, that God would pour his spirit out on us, that the heavens, as it were, would be opened, that he would revive us as Christians again, fill us with his love, his presence, more and more each day. And, and as we tell people, as we kind of overflow with God's love, that his spirit would, would land on them as, as they know the, the love of Jesus and what he's done, the spirit of God would pour out. Let's pray for revival. Well, we're going to sing, and it's a song really that um, encourages us to pray, and I hope it will inspire some prayer shortly. So we're going to sing, and then after that I'll introduce some prayer. But let's sing and really think about what we're singing here.
So we're going to have a time of open prayer now. Uh, We're not going to use a microphone, so if you do pray, please uh, raise your voice as much as you can so that people the other side can hear. Obviously, for those of you online, I apologise. You won't be able to hear this bit, but maybe I'd encourage you to pray at home or wherever you are. Um, I just want to finally encourage you with this. In Isaiah uh, 62, Isaiah says that he will not rest And he will not give God rest until God's people are a praise in the earth. So let's pray for God to drench our land with his presence. Let's have a time of open prayer and then uh, I'll finish in a while. who love you. Lord, we pray that you'll refresh and make us love you more so that we turn our eyes away from the idols that take up so much of our hearts. So that we want to know you more than anything else. And we want other people to know you. Oh Lord, we ask that you will work in the hearts of those we love who don't know you. Oh Lord, do, do come down. We need you. Oh Lord, this place is pointless without you working. Our lives are weak without your spirit's power. So come down with us. Amen. Oh Lord, may we be very conscious of those sins that grieve you and cause you to hide your face. Oh Lord, may we miss you. May we, O Lord, be saved from half-heartedness, sinfulness, lukewarmness, stir us up. May we, O Lord, know what it is to fervently seek for your presence and blessing. Amen. Amen.
Father, please make us brave for Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be the shining light that you command us to be, to go and be the example that we must be to the world around us. Lord, you know that it's barren, you know that it's dry. And uh, Lord, rather than that rubbing up on us, help us to point um, the to Jesus Christ. Lord, we've got this beautiful gospel to share, the great news of the Saviour. Uh, Lord, help us be brave with it. Why? We confess, Lord, we do hold back at times and, and we sit and think about it and, and don't really know why. Lord, give us a desire for the lost that are around us. You know the people in our schools, in our, in our homes, in our workplaces. Lord, you know all the people we come into contact with. And Lord, help, help us to not be ashamed of you. But what have we got to be ashamed of for the, for when we consider that we have been given eternal life and a hope through Jesus? Lord, make us, give us the courage and the boldness that we need. To, that we need. Equip us, Lord, in a way that will help us fulfill this in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can meet together tonight, Lord, and we can come to you in prayer, Lord. But we thank you for the many opportunities that we have to, um, of outreach, Lord. But Lord, without your Holy Spirit working, there are complete, they have no possibility of bearing fruit, Lord. And Lord, more than that, though, we pray that you would soften the hearts of those that we come into contact with, Lord, that you would help us to make the use make use of each opportunity that we have, Lord. And that through the way that we live, Lord, we will be an example of you, Lord, and that we would show to those around us that there is something different, there is something that they need, Lord, that they haven't got there. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us be able to point them towards the only true hope. And Lord, we pray that your spirit will come down and would work in our community here, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a final song, which again is very much on this theme. Restore, O Lord, the honour of your name. In works of sovereign power, come shake the earth again.
Heavenly Father, Isaiah was stirred up to prayer as he looked back at the Exodus and he looked back at what you did for them. Lord, and it stirred him up to pray and it gave him confidence in you. And Lord, as we look back, Lord, we've got the Exodus, we've got the whole word of God and we've got many times in history, Lord, where you have worked in mighty ways. And Lord, I pray that that would stir us up to pray. Lord, I pray that we would have a passion for your glory and your honour. Lord, that we would cry out, Lord, where are you? Lord, we want to see more of you. Lord, tear open the heavens and pour your spirit down on us, I pray. Lord, revive us as individuals. Revive us as a church and as a, a church in a nation. Lord, revive us as a country. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would pour your spirit on us. Lord, for your honour and your glory, I pray this. Amen.